clinical disclaimer. This podcast is focused on education and entertainment. While we love to help and teach, it is not meant to be used as a replacement for clinical services. If you are experiencing significant relationship issues or major concerns in your sexual, physical, or mental health, please seek the services of a professional provider near you. Welcome to the University of Pleasure, where we have sexual conversation to help build a happier nation. I'm Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist. And I'm Jeremiah James, and I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. You see how I just keep changing it up? I just, it's like I keep you guessing all the time. This is the thing when you get from me, being a professional, is that I like to keep it fresh. I like to keep it new. You know what I mean? Like if I was, because it's like playing a role, but I'm always playing it. And like, I just, I want to make it real to me, Doc. You know what I mean? You feel? Yeah, yeah, man. Sure. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Doc. Thank you for understanding my process. <laughs> and we're back. So good to be back. So good to be with friends. So good to see your beautiful, smiling faces. And when I say smile, the Doc's, it's more of like an in-between, more of like a grimace. But Greg is smiling. Hi, Greg. Hi. Hi, Greg. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, everybody's favorite correspondent who goes nowhere is here today. And he just got his second dose and he is not feeling great from his second shot. And still, he made the time to be here with us for Hot or Not, Volume 3, reviewing America's most classic, not so classic, and controversial erotica. Volume 3, we're in a place in our podcast universe, Doc, <laughs> where we can have a volume three. I know. Doesn't it feel good? It does. We've done like 50 episodes. I know, right? 50 episodes. It's unbelievable. We're amazing. What can I say? We're just that great. We keep it rolling, Doc. Even through a global pandemic. Anyways, hope everybody out there is doing great. Hope you're all getting your second shots or your first shots or your only shots. So we can all get together in person soon. We have announcements coming up soon by the end of this month for the Amy book and the Amy audiobook version. And the doc is about to give a review of my book that I know she read over vacation, like we said in the PSA. Right, doc? I did uh, spend time thinking about did that. You? Did you? Yeah, Isn't I it did. great when you can be called out on <laughs> a public forum? I mean, this is this isn't live, man. We can just edit it out. So no way. I hold the purse strings here. Uh, uh-uh. uh. No way. This is all staying in. You didn't read my book. You have had it for months, and it's fine. We're gonna move on because we have somebody here who would would have read my book and did read my book and would have reviewed my book. Thank you, Greg, for being with us today. Even though you're not feeling great, I appreciate you. Of course. I mean, is, is the book um, bound to be a classic, not so classic erotica that I could review later? Maybe. Ooh, I'm intrigued. I just used my sexy voice there. I, it's really not an erotic book. It's more of like a uh, Jeremiah James tell-all. So 
you know, lots of crazy stories. As we all know, your old pal Jeremiah James, crazy stuff always happens to me. It's never quite normal. So uh, friends of mine told me I should write it all down. So I did. And I wrote it with Dr. Stephanie Macaluso, another doc. And uh, she's brilliant. And she made me sound brilliant because she took my words and helped me make it into something that was actually palatable to people who read. Because we all know your old pal Jeremiah doesn't read. So I'm grateful to all the help from so many who help make me look really intelligent. So thank you to all of you. You're here. <laughs> the doc hasn't even moved. She's just, you would think that she was I'm frozen. Just, I'm just like, I'm fascinated by how you found a way to work in a self plug for your book just so seamlessly like yeah. that. Like Dude, it that's was what's called hurt. It was hurt about my failure to read it that morphed into shameless self-promotion. It was pretty, it was, it was pretty epic, actually. You. you know what we call that? Professionalism. Right there. That's what we call that. Is that the clinical term? It is. So I have a different clinical term, but you know, oh, okay. I can't diagnose someone I know. That's so... true too. Can't do it. So I'm scot-free. No diagnosis here. I am just perfectly normal. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. should we move on to greg's review he what we're all here took for. the time to do it and i've been eager to hear this because i you should we should talk about what the the or piece of erotica was because yeah i had not viewed it i did i have some of my own thoughts hang on a second hang on a second so i just want to be clear you watched this erotica but didn't read my book Look, we all have to make difficult. Anyway, let's get back on topic. I'm sorry. I didn't want to bring it up again. The point is uh, that this piece of erotica is a classic. It's from the 70s, from long before I was ever born. And uh, but, you know, it is something that was kind of, a, I would say, a pioneer in the erotic film industry. And there's a lot of little known facts that uh, I'm going to pull out as we go through this review um, because I did some research, uh, even though I had already seen. Don't, don't Greg make that look. You people can't see, but I said I did research and Greg literally clutches pearl like, what? Oh, my goodness. Is <laughs> Quick quick question. Is research a Wikipedia page? Yes. But that's. Yeah. OK. Who? I'm sorry. Is there another version? Like, I don't, I mean, if there is, you... Yeah, I mean, like, there's lots of different areas to find information that's not Wikipedia. So, yeah, there's other ways to do research. But why go someplace else? It's a one-stop shop for info that I'm looking for with hyperlink to link to link to link. It's great. That's why I love it. I don't have to go anywhere else. I have to do no more thinking. Anyway, it's not about me and my process. Let's get back to Greg here. Greg, what is this classic piece of erotica that you reviewed for us today you know i really have an inkling to just completely change and say something different than what i actually watched right now since you left it that open but i won't do that you're a you giver um, <laughs> but what i did view um as a classic from 1978 i believe was debbie does dallas so since I couldn't go anywhere, I brought Dallas home to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well done. A very specific version of Dallas, I guess. <laughs> um, it's kind of what I imagine Dallas to be like even today, really. If uh, it is, I'm moving there. Uh, so any so any Texans out there, 
Yeah. Any any Dallas sites or Dallasians or I don't know what you call people that live in Dallas, but I'd be curious if that's kind of what it's like uh, at this point in time. Perhaps it'll be a road trip once this vaccination kicks in that I had today. <laughs> well, well, tell us, Greg, what did you think of this movie? Give us your take. Um, this is volume three. And I have to say, third time's a charm. Um, this was actually a lot more interesting <laughs> than I ever thought it could possibly be watching straight porn. <laughs> um, as stated, this is kind of a pioneer in the field. So it's kind of like if you take a bad daytime soap opera and just show the sex that is involved with it. First of all, um, if that was like, a thing, yeah, okay, if it was, I would never miss an episode of Days of Our Lives. Not ever. Okay. That's number one. Right. Number two, you know. I feel like you're already coming in at a bit of a slant, like it's getting a dig, you know, because this movie, again, this is a pioneer. You got to respect the classics. What's his dick? I don't know. I, just, I feel like there's a slant here. I feel like he was no, saying, no, like, no, you know, it wasn't all. it wasn't up to some cinematic standards. I you know what? I always find that the most fruitful dialogues occur when they begin with defensiveness. I'm not defensive. I always right. think. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I mean, like it was no Star Wars, which came out, you know, around the same time. No, I wasn't born. But um, yes. Yeah. But you weren't that far behind, as you stated earlier. Just just to set the record uh, straight. <laughs> All right. I, I, I digress. Um, back to the point at hand. I am not coming at this. It's not a dig. Um, it is actually kind of, I guess, kitschy in a way, because it's funny how when they were developing this, I think they wanted to try and actually make a semi story or plot line, which, you know, by today's standards may take all of you know 10 seconds if you're gonna watch porn now where it's like oh there's the handyman and then all of a sudden they're both naked and you're like oh wait what did i miss something <laughs> where here here like even watching the opening credits where they have like a writer credit and you know the director credit and all and you're like oh like a legit kind of film and then you start watching it and you're like oh Okay, so maybe maybe legit was too strong a word. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. This is like, hey guys, um, I got a new camera and I want to make a movie in our backyard. Yeah, and and that's kind of what it was. Um, and again, like I gotta be honest with you, I gotta be honest. A... I gotta stop you. I'm sorry. What? I do not think the cinematography in this film was that bad. I mean, I've made movies in my backyard, and let me tell you something. The cinematography in Debbie Does Dallas, you know, they had some good angles, some good wide angle shots. I mean, I want to get movie nerdy here. I mean, was it Scorsese? No. But I personally felt that, you know, mm -hmm. they definitely put some multi-camera shots to use and there was lighting and everything. I thought, I want to say that, I'm not saying that you're wrong because this is your opinion, but. Well, it's also, it's also his segment. <sighs> and his review all right so but that's okay no, no. <laughs> i i like this back and forth but let, let me just say what like in the first like three minutes of the movie you know where the plot line is set up that you know debbie 
who wins this cheerleading competition and now gets invited to go to Dallas to become a cowboy cheerleader, I'm assuming, um, then figures out that her parents are like, no, this is a waste of time. So if you want to go, you have to pay for it on your own. So then she's talking to her cheerleading troupe like, oh, woe is me. I've got two weeks to come up with the money so I can get from wherever we are in Texas today. Hang a second. Hang a second. And, I'm sorry. Did you memorize the dialogue? Because that seemed pretty spot on the money. <laughs> he, he's right. got, he watched it. <laughs> yeah, I watched it. And that's why I thought it was funny that there was a writer credit in the movie. Um, but it, so, so there, there's the plot line. Like, poor Debbie, we got to get her to cowboy cheerleading camp because <laughs> she's such an amazing cheerleader. And so the whole she is band... very talented. I'm sorry. The star of this film is Brandy Woods, and she was very talented. And I say was because she left the industry uh, and disappeared. Nobody knows where she is. It is still a mystery, says Wikipedia. Good. Continue. OK. I mean, I would like to say that, you know, she is a great talent. But for <laughs> the fact that Debbie does Dallas, she didn't do shit. <laughs> Please expand, Greg. Debbie is in it at the beginning. She shows us some very perky, lovely breasts. They're delightful. She's trying to get a point across. Then we don't see her until the very last scene of the freaking movie, where then she has this spoilers. amazing sex Spoiler scene. alert. We don't want to ruin the whole thing. This has been around since 78, so, you know, we just kind of... All right, I'm just saying, all right, spoilers ahead, folks. Spoilers. <sighs> Continue. Well, and, and so we don't see her until the very end of the movie again. And I was like, so this is like the great Debbie. I'm like, well, whatever. I mean, there are a couple other characters that I thought did a much better job because they're in multiple scenes. So like, so I didn't really think it was Debbie does Dallas. It was, you know, more like Debbie. I don't know. Like Debbie and wants to do Dallas, but she really doesn't. Also, I felt confused by the title because she was trying to get to Dallas. She wasn't doing anyone in Dallas, technically. It was all in the small town that she lived in. Is that correct? Correct. But that's part of the art. That's 100 percent right. true. But it's evocative. It's interesting. <laughs> if it was Debbie's trying to make it to Dallas to become a cheerleader, nobody gives a shit. So that's why Debbie does Dallas. It, it, it draws you in, Doc. Come on. So it's kind of like a bait and switch. That's right. Yeah. So you think Debbie is doing all of Dallas and really she doesn't do any of it, which is a shame because by far she probably is the most attractive woman of all the cheerleaders. So you kind of want to see her act more. I use the term act with air quotes. Yes. Um, but, you know, I guess then too, that may have been part of the, Allure of the movie is like, hey, we're going to build up to all this anticipation because everyone's going to want to see Debbie, right? So you can't, like, you know, show her off too early, but you don't have to wait until the last five. Like, I literally could watch the first five minutes and the last five minutes, and I'd get all the Debbie that I could possibly want. There it is, folks. There I don't, you go. I don't need everything in the middle. I'm I'm curious as you as you watched it. So I have some thoughts about this film, but as you watch it, what did you think about 
you know, is done in the seventies. Right. So obviously it's highly stylized, but there's also like some thematics of it that placed in today for me felt a little, don't you shake your head at me, Jeremiah. (laughs) Don't you shake your head. (laughs) Right. That felt a little, uh, you know, they were, uh, for instance, Debbie's in high school, right? Right. Debbie's in high school. Now, and most of the sexual scenes are with, like, not all. Some are with peers, right? Some. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some are with peers. But a lot of the scenes, so, like, it isn't, like, so, like, Debbie tries to get to Dallas right by her friends and them getting money for sexual favors when, like, the summer jobs or whatever, the jobs they get, like, don't really pay very well. Is that right? I'm remembering they, that. I think so. But to be honest with you, it's really hard to follow the story while I was fast forwarding. So, like, it was, exactly. you know, I'm trying to get to the next scene. No, but honest, honestly, like, I think this was part of, like, the big plot twist for the movie was that initially everyone's like, oh, hey, I can go get a job at the record store. There was a help wanted sign. Oh, hey, I can go get a job over at the library. They're looking for help. So the premise of the movie initially is, hey, we're all just going to go get summer jobs so that we can make enough money so that we can all go to Dallas to support Debbie in her cheerleading venture. And then, you know, fast forward the first day of work and everyone's like, did you make any money? No, we're never going to get to Dallas with all this money. Blah, 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 blah. Like, what are we ever to do? And that's when you see Debbie, who comes back, you know, sporting a wad of cash because of something that she did that was probably, you know, not, I would say, not in the good Christian um, methods that she wanted to kind of portray herself as being only being in high school. Um, But then all of a sudden it's like, everyone turns tricks and it all seems fine. (laughs) Um, You know, like, like it took all of like, Oh, two seconds to convince them like, Oh, but it's okay. Which actually is funny though. One of the things that I did notice in the movie where since they are charging people and, uh, and the people are all, which I think is smart to the doc's point that, hey, yeah, these are high school kids. Some of the scenes are with other high school kids, which, by the way, these high school kids also look like they're 42. Yeah, the thing is, is everyone looks like they're like 45. There's a mutton chop situation on one of the high school guys that's really... Yeah, There are balding high school people. Yeah, exactly. But the people that they get the jobs from who are older and clearly more like you know, father kind of figures to all of these uh, girls. To me, it was like, okay, that's a little creepy. But if I'm the girls, I'm like, well, they're the people who have the money. So if I need to make the money, I'm going to go with the people with the deep pockets. And lo and behold, everyone gets to Dallas. Yay! (laughs) So what you're saying is this movie is about friendship, right? And is that what we're going, you know, like these, the ladies want to support their friend. They all start turning tricks, mm-hmm. and it's all from a place of love, caring, and, you know, truthfully, friendship, which is a two-way street. You know, Debbie comes in, and she says, hey, you know, I, this is how I made all this money. Let me impart this wisdom to you. And they're like, wow, you're such a good friend, and oh, my gosh, we're going to be able to make all this money now. And now we can all go to Dallas together so we can support and lift your dreams. I mean, really, to me, 
it's a story about friendship and dreams. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't you feel that? Yeah. Didn't you feel that, Doc? You asking me? I didn't quite feel that in the same way. Every shake of the pom-pom, I felt a stronger bond of these friends. That's exactly it. Yeah, I I think for me, right? Like, so- Hang on a second, hang on a second. Because I feel like you're going to instantly destroy this movie from like a modern day perspective. So why don't we take a break? Well, really, we're- Let us all sit in the the really kind, beautiful space we're just in about friendship and dreams. These girls have dreams, you know, and, (laughs) and then we'll come back and let you ruin it for all of us, okay? You don't know what I'm gonna ruin. I don't know, I just, I get the sense, Doc. I know you well, so let me just take a break and we'll be right back. And we're back for Doc to dissect, <laughs> throw in a blender and turn into a frappe Debbie does Dallas in a modern sense. Well, okay. First of all, it may not be as brutal as you think. Okay. I mean, it might be. Um, (laughs) But what? Okay. I legitimately, as a, uh, you know, as a nerd does, did my homework. There were some aspects of this film that when you put them in modern day, I think just make it hard to watch. But I do want to... Okay, everything I'm about to say has one giant caveat, right? There is a difference also, though, between fantasy and behavior, right? So when we think about the type of pornography that people view online, that they enjoy, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the stuff that they're going to, like, go out and do in real life. Part of the reason people like pornography is because there's a it's fantasy, fantasy element It's escapism. It. It's not right. real. It's escapism. And there is, you know, no question that... Um, there's a high eroticization of things like um, youthful sexuality, right? Like that's why barely legal is such a popular realm of pornography, right? Like you, you don't have to go past the first page of Pornhub to find barely legal pornography, right? <laughs> like there's something about like emerging sexuality, probably because that's when people are having a lot of their own kind of initial hormones. It just is, it's a very erotic time and thing that's, and something that's really eroticized for a lot of folks, not everybody, but a lot of folks, that's something that's a really big turn on. Now that doesn't mean that they're just because somebody that's older eroticizes that in fantasy doesn't mean that they're going to go around and then be like, okay, now I'm going to try to have sex with an 18 year old. Right. You know, if they're 45. Right. But right, right. if, although 18 is legal age, it is but, legal. Oh, I just want to say that's legal I, though. I'm going to say, and I don't know what the rules were in the 70s, but they the, may have been they're quite different Texas, age of consent. Yes. Yeah, because they're, because they do mention that she's 16 um, in one of the scenes. And I was like, Ooh. like, like all of a sudden it took me back. But then I had to remember, I was like, OK, wait, 70s, Texas, like. Okay, that may have actually been Age of okay consent, back then. Sixteen years old. Yeah, I think so. I mean, but... you could drink back then. Like you, yeah. eighteen years old, you could go buy beer. It was different times. It was a it was a different time, right? But I'm not watching it in the seventies. I'm watching it twenty twenty one, right? And that's going to create a different lens through which you look at something because I don't have a time machine and can't think outside of my own time and space. I don't know, it just makes so, me feel awkward. Didn't make me look through any weird lens. I so, was like <laughs> living the dream. If I may. Please continue. The lens 
Thank you. The the part that I found difficult, right? Like obviously that age discrepancy, especially because of a lot of the the way that this starts. What's the guy who she works for? Debbie. What's his name? Mister. Mister Green Greenfield. Butterfield. Greenfield. He's the guy that work. He's he has the store. He owns he owns the sporting goods shop. Right. He so in their first interaction, he's this older guy, like significantly older, and you know. The way that he begins this with Debbie is really inappropriate. <laughs> like, oh, listen, a hundred percent. I think even in the seventies, we would have thought it was pretty inappropriate. Like, it was. It would have been inappropriate for the seventies, right? Where like, what doesn't he like try to grab her boobs, and she's like, "Don't do that." Like, you know, I don't think. I think that there's probably in that first scene with her boss, probably like mm, no less than six times where she says like, "Hey, stop doing that. I don't like this," or "Don't do that." Right? Like over and over. So like. It's hard to watch a scene like that and to be like, huh, and like to think nothing of it, right? Because obviously, you know, to just like watch that and be like, right on. Right on, bro. <laughs> way, to, way to make it happen. Yeah, you know, like, I won't lie. Like, if, if I were to, if someone were to say like, hey, should I watch Debbie Does Dallas? I'd probably be like, well, be aware that there's, it's very dated and there are many things in it from especially consent and age perspective that could be offensive to you. Do you easily find those things triggering or offensive? Be thoughtful about that, as I would probably suggest around any kind of frankly dated material, right? Like you reviewed uh, Wifey, right, Grant? Yeah, classic. Right? Wifey had some stuff in it that was also highly offensive, like as dated material tends to be. But Of course. It, that's just part of sort of some of the stuff that came up for me. I found the there to be a high variable of difficulty with particularly the boss character. So, okay. And I I fully understand where you're coming from. Um, but, like, what if, or I'm, I would be curious, like, what if it was Derek does Dallas and it's a bunch of cougars and he's a football player that, you know, the whole football team wants to get him to go to Dallas for the cowboy tryout. Like if if the if it was like a gender flip of the movie, um, I'm wondering if it would be as offensive or if it would be like, oh, that's mm. super hot. I don't know if like to the general public it would be as offensive like I'm because I think that there is absolute like validity to the idea that like there are different sort of gender narratives about like consent and like what it is isn't sexy versus inappropriate. However, I would probably still watch it. <laughs> I okay. would probably still watch it and go, ugh. Like, so I don't know if any of you ever saw that SNL sketch. It was with when Ronda Rousey was hosting. And they do this sketch where I think it's like she's on trial for having, she's like a school teacher that's on trial for like having sex with high school male right. students, right? And she's on the stand and I think it's like Pete Davidson and like, I don't remember the other characters and they're like testifying and they're like, how did you feel harmed? And they're like, we didn't, it was great. You know <laughs> exactly, <I> mean? <laughs> exactly. But the problem is that there are people that have been in those situations and then later feel harmed by them and regardless of gender. And I've actually, and, I, and this isn't to bring it down, and this is, I know Jeremiah, you're going to be like, way to destroy a thing. <laughs> I know, like, really, seriously. You know, I, I'm just like, I can't, am I going to be able to watch it now? Right, it's hard for for me to listen to because I've worked with real people that have sat in my office and talked about those kind of power dynamics or making decisions like at a younger age. Some people feel totally fine about it. And then there are other people that are like, 
Well, I felt like I it, like you brought up the gender dynamic. Like I've worked with men that have had those things go on, and at the time it felt good, and then later regretted that and felt like I don't, you know, I, I, it was you know what? I, I know it's a thing. I understand that I'm that that's a thing. I'm 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 just yeah. I'm just saying that like you know if a real I, I used to always watch things like that. It's like if a really hot teacher like wanted to sleep with me, like I don't understand how like, you know I. I I'm struggle. I struggle with this doc. I struggle because I see like the pictures that come up of like you know this really beautiful teacher has sex with like seventeen year old guy and, and loses her job. First of all, like shut up, dude. Don't don't send text to your friends. You know what I mean? Seriously, one. You gotta brag about that. You can't. Though. You brag come about on. it after it's all you know when the smoke clears. After you're legal. Yeah, you're legal. You're out of high school. Then you go brag about it to your pals, but you don't do it while you're there. And then you know burner phones, people. Burner phones. Didn't anybody have, watch Breaking so Bad? Breaking Bad has taught me anything. I'm having it was so literally like, get a burner phone. Yeah. So then if you're getting text <laughs> messages from the hot teacher, they go to your burner phone. You'd be like, I never saw this phone before. I don't know what it is. I think, may I, may I interrupt you on this here? I think that the problem, right, of what you're describing is that it's an assumption that like, so for some people, like, I think assuming in any direction is problematic, right? Some people might go through those kind of experiences and be like, hey, that was really great. Or I felt neutral about it. It was fine for me. But the assumption that it would cause no harm is a problem, <sighs> right? Because there are a number of people who have felt harmed. And you're putting maybe your perspective and projecting that on, like, here's what you feel like you would have been okay with. Well, but you don't the know me. You don't know me, Doc. You, you well, I'm saying you don't know that I would. Right. What if I was You're harmed? Right. Maybe I was harmed. That's my, but that's my point. I don't know, and neither yes, do I do. you. I know. <laughs> right. I'm, I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I would have been harmed. But you know, I would have been like, "This is the greatest. I, this is the greatest." Well, but that's what seems uh, exciting and thrilling in youth. Sometimes people look with an adult mind, and they look back, and it still felt exciting and thrilling and great. And sometimes they look back and think differently about it. So it's just, and I'm not, and you know, I know it's supposed to just be like a fun review of Debbie Does Dallas, and I'm sorry to be like the one that brings up this series <laughs> around it, but that's what I thought when I want like that was some beyond like also the the abruptness of some of the the the. The sexual play, there was a a lack. Oh, there's of... no foreplay. No, yeah. There's not. There is no foreplay whatsoever in this movie. Like, right. so it's like, like again, if it was a bad edit, I don't know, or if it was just like, okay, this is the way we get sexually aroused. Okay, in the hang 70s. on a second. Hang on a second. Like, All right, okay, um, give me. Uh, I'm sorry. I have to step in here for my movie making friends. You know who made this movie all those years ago. I'm sorry for this review because here, here's the thing. If we wanted to do this is a 70s porno. It's not, you know, a serious movie about love and kissing and, and, and being intimate. You know, I no, it's about friendship. That's right. And it's dreams, about friendship and what dreams, I Greg. It's about friendship and dreams. And in a sexual scenario, you know, they, they didn't have to, you know, and this was the 70s. It was a different time. Again, I wasn't alive. But from what I've the, the due diligence that I've done in my research mm -hmm. of many of these types of movies, they kind of get right down to it. You know what I mean? Sure. It's not something that's you know, and I'm sure Doc, you probably know this. Is are there is, are there porn that is just like sensual, like making out? No, I, but I'm talking about like there's like to Greg's point, there's like no foreplay. Yeah, it's like 
and and so that's why, why just hate also on like foreplay? there's although although I do have to say there is one scene um where it's a married couple and one of the cheerleaders where there is kind of some foreplay right. um and 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 actually from the movie itself like like thinking about that I was like I was like oh this was actually kind of a cool sequence where it didn't seem just super creepy like some of the other sequences <laughs> did. I was and, like, oh, I was like, this kind of makes sense. And I could see the natural progression. I could see how this could work. And I was like, oh, hey, like, that's actually pretty, you know, like pretty hot. Um, and, and I was like, but yeah, most of the other ones where now, Jeremiah, this is a point for you. Um, generally speaking, the dialogue that is put in in the movie in between certain scenes um, I have to say there is more talk or discussion from the girls about like getting consent overall. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that you cited the very first scene where it's like, oh yeah, like that's just like, oh God, is this going to be the whole movie? But that actually changes where I felt more that there was less creepiness from that aspect in Debbie Does Dallas than there was in Fifty Shades of Grey. True. I don't know that I disagree with you. I definitely don't right? disagree. So, I so wholeheartedly here, agree. I thought here these were there was a lot more. I thought these were very empowered women. I thought that they were very strong uh, on their thoughts of consent and what they were, and they made a very clear decision after very open discussion about you know turning tricks for money to go support their friend. Naked in it the locker was, room. That when when else are you going to have such a deep conversation? You're going to have it there in right. the locker room. That you know. Some of my best thinking comes when I'm just, you know, strutting around nude with my boys, you know, like, hey, what's up, guys? Let's let's have deep conversations. You know what I mean? Like that does that. I mean, don't you have don't you have that experience, Doc, when you go like to go to the gym, like you, you're talking to your girlfriends and you just everybody's soaping up and having a deep conversation about life. Is that not real? There is literally nothing about what you said that I feel is useful to comment <laughs> on. <laughs> <laughs> Again, uh, it was an attempt at more of a storyline to to move yeah. a plot, and so it was a good way to like kill two birds with one stone. We still keep the you know the erotic element in it because here's a room full of naked cheerleaders, but they are saying stuff that actually perhaps has some weight in the whole outcome of the of the movie where where I didn't feel like this was just completely predatory. Right. I think that like the differences around like some of that stuff, like I think the reason that the scene with the boss, um, so there was a scene with the boss with Debbie and then what was it like the two friends, they're like washing his car something. Mm -hmm. yep. They're that washing a car in yes. the rain. Yes. Right. And that, and he and he was an older guy, right? So if you yeah. compare those two scenes, right? The boss was very forceful, not taking no for an answer, right? Also, side note, in a position of power over Debbie because he's his boss, which also creates a different legal scenario by today's standards around consent, 100%. right? That is totally, okay, that's totally a, true. That is, a, that is a different power differential. And so there are different sets of rules around that and consent, right? Because someone holds power. Um, but 
the other scene was slightly, <laughs> slightly less creepy to me because the gentlemen, they were really more kind of sort of saying, here's what we want. And he was like really checking, double checking. Are you sure that's what you want? And so at least that had a less creepy, more consent. It was really the scenes with the boss that I found the most difficult. Well, but I, I'm I'm gonna go back because that scene where we're washing the car in the rain and then get invited in and all of that is all well and good, and then they gotta ruin it all at the very end because like oh shit I think I hear my wife coming oh yeah that's right and then the girls <laughs> have to run out pick up their crap run out like the back door so the white you know and I'm like. Oh, wah, wah. Yeah, it was a bit you know, of a letdown. Like, so I'm like, hey, this was almost like redeeming where I'm like, okay, to your point, hey, is this okay? Or like, you know, can we do this? And it's like, oh yeah, this is awesome. And checking in, checking in, except for, oh shit, I didn't tell my wife I was going to do this. So y'all got to run out the back right. door so I don't get caught. Right. Like, okay, yet uh, again, I'm going to say here, something I've learned here at the University of Pleasure with the doc. What? Some people like the eroticism of the tawdry aspect of things, of like cheating and all that sort of thing. Yeah. And like wrong feels naughty and hot. So though it may not have been your thing, you know, don't yuck other people's yum. <laughs> that's what the doc taught me. That, well, that is true. Right. Well, that's the idea of like what I said, like my caveat that like fantasy doesn't necessarily equal behavior. However... If you're doing a review, right, let's say listeners are like, I should go watch Debbie Does Dallas. It seems fair to say, hey, here are the themes that could be like maybe really yummy for some, but kind of yucky for <laughs> others. Exactly. <laughs> and although I do have to say, in order to watch this movie, I had to go to like 22 different porn sites. And still couldn't find it until, Doc, you found it on something that I'd never heard of before. So I was like, I don't know why Debbie Does Dallas is so protected um, or who bought the rights or something. I think but... isn't it not? I think no one has them. Wasn't there some big legal case about it? Jeremiah, you did research. Um, I already used all my research when I said that uh, what's her name left the business and then she disappeared and people thought she might be dead. So that oh, was all. Right. That was what I had. That was my zinger. Oh, okay. hey, what did you think? I actually zinger. like dove but... deep. Come on. No, of course not. <laughs> no. But but that's, I mean, that was weird to me even before I watched the movie that, like, a lot of places were like, oh, this has been removed or deleted. And, like, some places were like, we're waiting for, so maybe to your point, like, if there was a case, it's like, hey, they removed it because they were waiting for oh. legal action before they could put it back on or what? There was a number of legal actions taken around this case. Like the Dallas cheerleaders sued uh, the, I believe like the production, I don't know if it was the production team or like whoever made the movie wow. because of like the use of the likeness of the, of the costumes at the end when Debbie right. comes in. And so like the Dallas cheerleaders were like, um, yeah, no. And so there was like yeah. a, a lawsuit. And then it was also, I think like, I also did some research, Jeremiah. Um, <laughs> Share, Doc. There was, 
there was also a lawsuit where it was involved in like really detailed descriptions in the Mies report, right? The Mies, M-E-E-S-E. Like, so the Mies report um, was like this initiative or I don't know what to call it, like a, uh, an investigation on pornography ordered by Ronald Reagan. That's correct. And and it was like this like almost 2,000 page document and it ended up becoming, and it was like the, all of these descriptions about different types of pornography and like pornography they used to cite it, but they were like really graphic in what they described. So the Mies report actually ended up becoming like a really popular yeah. Yeah. Uh, like document that people wanted because it was like, really explicit the original 50 shades of gray yeah like the That's original liter like original like literatica because <laughs> it was like 2000 pages of this stuff but yeah like this movie was actually quite a big deal because of how popular it was and it it resulted in a number i think a number of lawsuits well so. and i could also i mean like i kind of understand it too because i was actually kind of surprised um and much to like my delight where the perspective isn't just on all the women all the time. Like it was like very equal opportunity or like the shots were panned out enough where you like saw all of the action. Although I do have to say there are a few close-ups that I think could be cut out of context and used in a biology class to show you the anatomy of a vagina. But I was like, I was like, oh, okay, that's, I mean, I'm right there. Like, I am part of this action right now. <laughs> this camera guy is so close to what's happening. Um, but on the flip side, there was also much more where, you know, like when you think about certain sites or certain ways that uh, um, porn is shot, where it's very specific to just like certain angles where like, okay, yeah, you may see a penis, but you have no idea who it belongs to because they only center in on like a woman's reaction or on like what she, how her body is moving and not how the whole thing is kind of being done where this was very much more equal opportunity camera time, which I, I didn't think was going to happen. Artistry. That's what it's called. Hey, it truly is. Thank truly you very is. much. I will say, I still think this movie's great and I, think it's hilarious and i have enjoyed it many a times long before you know we did this review i'm not ashamed to admit and the only thing that i would say really made me go G -g -g is still the very end where you know you know mr whatever who's its name what's his name again mr the Green greenfield when he comes in dressed as a football player and kind of like attacks debbie oh oh let me remind you not just comes in dressed as a football player he comes popping out of the dressing room as a football player at full attention hanging out of his uh athletic pants correct and, and then he starts, kind of starts like the betty hill chase yeah yeah like honestly if you had fast forward through that and put betty hill music to it that would have been like benny hill <laughs> So I will say, and it's totally true, but I will say that 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 sequence is the only one that you know. I don't give a, a who what you know year you're watching it in. It it, it still made me go like, he's he literally is like attacking him. 
Like, you know, it is, it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and look, again, I don't want to yuck anybody's yum out there like the doc always says, but that one makes me a little bit. So I will give you that, doctor. That one definitely, even from like, you know, a true, you know, somebody that doesn't wear the lens of a doc, you know, like an everyday <clears throat> Joe kind of guy. That one still made me go a little bit like, ooh. I don't know. Maybe I don't need to watch the ending, which is a shame because she's so beautiful. And, you know, it all comes. But you do need to watch the ending because this is the only scene which, again, I literally had to rewind because I wanted to make sure I heard this correctly. There is like dialogue that gets like, I think, oh, edited yeah. they have over. It, like tapered out through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this is the only scene where at the end, you know, the good boss man is in the act. And he was like, like making sure that Debbie orgasm, like, he's like, I want you to or like, and he literally says like, he's like, come, he's like, like, come, come like, and he's not talking about himself. He's like talking to her. And then you see a shot of her in ecstasy. And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's the first time in the entire movie that we see that. Right. Like none of the other scenes have anything to do about necessarily any pleasure for the women in that sense that, you know, like, like a, I guess like a penetration kind of vaginal pleasure. Like there's definitely pleasure, you know, like, um, you know, with um, oral and, and, you know, so like there's all kinds of play that way, but you never see any kind of orgasm come to fruition until the very last scene for women. Well, that's why they waited Debbie to the end. That's the only that's, one that could do that. You know, that's the M. Night Shyamalan moment. You know, that's that's yeah. the the twist, the... the doorknob with, you know, the sixth sense. Like, oh, my God, he's a ghost. Like, that's what that sequence is. That's why I have it to the end. Like, I mean, I, I, I feel like I, I feel silly. I have to explain this. But that's, I... you know, that's what it's about. Uh, uh. <laughs> no, I, I mean, it, it, it does not you know, equate or negate or, you know, compensate for any of the previous part of that scene. But I just thought it was really odd that not until the very last scene, the very, you know, like last sequence, like, is there anything about her? Like, okay, like, here we go. And then you really see her in just that moment of ecstasy. And, you know, they do the artistic camera shot of the face. Yes, um, very, very artistic. And then funny enough, the movie ends where it just looks like she's either sleeping or dead. We're not quite sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's... <laughs> so they do kind of take it back. So that one little glimmer of hope is like, oh, yes, and there she is. She's like, yes, writhing, blah, blah, blah. And then the next scene is like, she kind of looks like she's sleeping or she kind of looks like she's dead. I don't really know. Um, I think that like one of the things that like has stood out, like like both of you mentioned it, like to me, like I did find a strength in this this film, right? Mm-hmm. Which you both mentioned how attractive Debbie was, but I actually thought that one of the strengths in this film is that it did feature like women that looked very different, that had different body shapes and that were all kind of different and that there was sort of, now I say that because like, I think Debbie is, uh, she meets the criteria for kind of the the stereotypical like ideal of beauty, but I appreciate that- From the 70s, that, from the 70s. From the 70s, right? Like, but I appreciate that there's like a representation at least, I mean- Oh wait, no, no, no. I, you know what, Jeremiah? Like, I don't agree with you. She'd still be- 
I think attractive now. Oh, I'm not um, saying she's like, not attractive. We're, I'm just talking. You're like, like for the '70s. I was like, well, no, 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 no. she'd still be a hottie patati let me, now. Let me let Correct. me explain. What I was saying, Bambi, was, if you're still alive, we're really yeah, sorry. No, what I was saying was that I know she's that, like the quintessential in that time frame, like in a movie like this, is who you would see. She would be the star of your movie. She's the quintessential like 1970s like pinup girl kind of thing. But she, of course, she would be leading leading lady leading lady of erotica. She was obviously gorgeous. Okay. If I saw her today, I'd be like, "Hello, Bambi Woods, you are gorgeous." I bet right. she got. I bet she got real I'm sick sure of that she after did. a while. I'm going to be real honest. <laughs> but anyway, you were saying I agree with you, Doc, because there was a varying uh, body types, uh, you know, height, hair color, the whole thing. Yeah, it was not diverse from a racial standpoint no, by, by any, any stretch, stretch of the imagination. Of the imagination. As far as female look, body type, there was very diverse, and I thought that was wonderful. Because I love, I love ladies, as we all know, and uh, you know, I thought it was great to see that like variation of of you know different types, body types, and looks, and all that sort of thing. And they're all quite beautiful in their own right. So, kudos to you, Doc, for noticing. <laughs> well, you know, I do. <laughs> It's so, like, I feel like this is always such a, you know, I know, Jeremiah, you're like, you're ruining it for me. I feel like I'm like, like, it's sort of like, because of like the way that I think about this stuff, like, and and the job that I have and how I, how I go about like sort of thinking about sex and sexuality, it's sort of like, like watching Spider-Man with a, like an entomologist, right? Like a bug doctor. <laughs> like, I just... <laughs> Spiders can't do that. Let me Let tell, me tell you. you why Let they just... can't climb up you know, that glass. Actually, we have, Jeremiah and I have a friend who is a pilot. Um, and when the movie Flight came out with Denzel Washington, he could not have been more appalled. Even though it was one of the most entertaining, like, yep. you know, action Flips the plane movies. Upside I was down. Like, yeah. He's like, you can't do any of what they did. And I'm like, we're not asking uh, if that's possible. <laughs> It's like, okay, just let it go and enjoy it for that's what it is. Right. And I think that's more of what Jeremiah's point is with this is like, hey, let's not, you know, let's not ignore the bad stuff, but let's enjoy the good points just for what they are. See, Doc, mm -hmm. he gets me. Do you see that? I know. I know. But I do feel compelled in my role on here to say like, hey, some people might really enjoy this film and find it lovely and amazing and really erotic. And some people could watch it and go, holy shit, that's so offensive in so many ways. <laughs> oh, and it's yeah. upsetting, viscerally upsetting to me. <laughs> Listen, we could have been watching Taboo, which is another really famous one. You know Taboo? You know Taboo? I don't actually. What? I know the game board. You don't know? Well, okay, so like, game, the, the, okay me, so like the top four, or top maybe three most famous films of this era. Deep Throat started the trend. Debbie does Dallas and Taboo. Taboo is like mom having sex with her son and like all this kind ah. of stuff. So that's Taboo. They made like a whole series of those. I mean, they have a whole series of, you know, Debbie does Dallas. So there's like Debbie does Dallas 8, you know, and then they even turned it into a Broadway musical. Yeah, which I noticed that, too. Like, I think Ron Jeremy appears in like Debbie does Dallas 5 Correct. or something like that, where I'm like, Wow, they are really milking this for everything they can. Yeah, Taboo well, became famous for like the MILF aspect of things and, you know, mom sleeping with her son, obviously. But there's a very famous incest. Incest. And, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Like there's there's that tab. There's, you know, again, 
Go on Pornhub. Doesn't take long to find in sex teams. There you go. Well, I just want to thank you, Greg. This was such a great review. Thank you for taking the time to find Debbie Does Dallas. Doc, you're like the internet porn whisperer. I was like digging and trying to find it. It was there. Then the link was gone. Then I was going to buy the actual DVD on Amazon. And I almost ordered it from Amazon because I was like, I don't know where else to turn. I'm going to... Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say that I, that's not really a title that I want to take on. <laughs> the Internet Porn Whisperer? Yeah, like, we're going to go ahead and set that one aside. Um, I am, however, good at research. So, you know, <laughs> that that I can come through. Fine. <laughs> well, I would like to thank you both for your thoughts and insight. If you're going to watch Debbie Does Dallas and, you know, don't clinically destroy it like the doc does. But, you know, be aware that there are things in it that might trigger you. You know, it was made a long time ago. It is not something uh, we don't condone the actions in this film. You know, we're just saying it was a long time ago and they may upset some people. So, you know, a little bit of a, a warning on that. Otherwise, it's a hilarious moving piece of art <laughs> that is really about friendship, caring for one another and love. And I want to say I love you, Greg. Don't forget dreams. And dreams. Don't dreams. forget dreams. 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 She had a dream. And if you watch this film, you'll truly see the talent that she has as a cheerleader and why she needs to get to this camp. And I think that is something we can all, you know, wrap our arms around and give a a big hug to this movie for. Don't you think? Don't you feel that? I feel it. I don't know that I'm ready to hug this film. I don't know. I'm hugging. But I I can appreciate that you, you are. So. I thank you because I'm hugging myself and it feels really nice. And actually, I don't think I've ever done this before. Now I see why people do this. I like it. Is this something you tell your clients, Doc? Should I hug hug myself? No? I mean, if it feels good for you, you should you should go toward it, Ooh, Jeremiah. Yeah. And notice that there was no caveats in there at all. Like there was no, like that could have meant anything. I'm going to save that little clip for all time. Just so when I'm doing something that may not be proper, I can be like, hang on a second. I have a doctor professional told me this. Bark. <laughs> please. But please thank don't. you all. <laughs> thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being a part of the University of Pleasure. Thank you to Greg, as always, as our correspondent who goes nowhere. Please go rest up. Take some more Tylenol. Feel better from your second jab. And hopefully we'll be able to see you soon once you are fully baked. And we're going to get you out and about. And hopefully we will see all of our fans at the University of Pleasure on one of our live events that will hopefully be coming maybe by the end of the year. Maybe the beginning of next year. Nobody really knows because we haven't even started planning it. So (laughs) thank you all so much. Take care. And we'll talk to you again next week. Bye, Doc. Bye. Bye, Greg. Bye. And happy Pride. This episode of the University of Pleasure was produced, directed, and edited by me, Jeremiah James. It was written by Dr. Tara Jansen and me, Jeremiah James. The University of Pleasure theme music was written by the incomparable Robert Felstein. Additional multimedia support by associate producer Kyle Binkley. And please remember, we want to be as inclusive as possible of the diverse experiences of others here at the University of Pleasure. So please email us your suggestions for topics that might be suited to you directly, questions, feedback, or just really great sex stories at contact at universityofpleasure.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, 
Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to all of our social media.